protecting our crops, but without all the right tools to do it. One of the themes at CropTech this week. Farmers will take risk if that risk is rewarded. So if policies are put in place that are rewarded adequately, there will be a shift in behaviour. The way that we actually farm is becoming a lot more important in terms of caring for the environment and working with nature. More on that in a moment. And later, I want to try and raise some farming positivity. This week, with the help from the team at Club Hectare. The core of it is that we're a community and uh, we're a community that people can be involved in and always find someone who, who can relate to their problems. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Good morning. It was crop tech in the week and naturally the ongoing wet weather was top of most people's minds. I think it's uh, fair to say even the most optimistic in the industry now really can't wait to see the back of 2019. Aside from the conditions and election Brexit uncertainty, precision farming was also on the agenda, as well as crop protection and the lack of actives. And that's where we'll start this week. Emma Hamer is the Senior Plant Health Advisor at the NFU and chaired one of the seminars on that very subject. The crop protection seminar focused on the loss of actives. So uh, we are continuing to lose actives at an alarming rate. 76 actives have been lost since the current regulation came into force in 2011. And it was a bit of a a look forward to what more we can be doing in terms of integrated pest management and taking a more holistic approach to pest, weed and disease management. It is the cabin actives are going, aren't they, as you say? And despite lots of campaigns, if you like, lots of trying to be vocal, particularly at this time with the election and everything, it doesn't seem like they're going to come back anytime soon, does it? Well, the irony is actives are being lost not for any um, danger to human health or the environment. They're being lost for political reasons, and I think that's very worrying. So we're in a position where we have a piece of legislation, a regulation in Europe, and you have actives such as glyphosate that pass every regulatory hurdle, yet politics get in the way, and actives are being lost for the wrong reason, and I think that is very worrying. Um, At the NFU, we have always defended a science-based, evidence-based approach to regulation, and we'll continue to do so. But we also need to recognise that growers need other solutions to pest, weed and disease problems. They need to be able to um, grow their crops sustainably. So we're trying to highlight what else we can be doing in terms of IPM, resistance management, better targeting of actives, to continue to be able to grow safe, affordable food. It's more difficult, but there are those solutions out there, aren't there? Well, it's a bit of a mindset change because um, there are IPM solutions currently, but because we've always done things a certain way, there is a behavioural change that's needed as well. So this summer I did a number of case studies looking at how NFU members are taking an integrated approach and what they're doing to combat these loss of actives. So, for example, I went to Lincolnshire grower Andrew Ward and I looked at how he's managing his black grass and he's had a fantastic success. It's been expensive, it's been difficult. He's meant a shift of cropping, so delaying his drilling and shifting to spring cropping. He's used hand rogers to pull out um, black grass plants where that's been viable. Uh, but ultimately, pesticides are part of the solution and he's used glyphosate to spray off the really bad patches. And he's had a great success. He's reduced his populations on his farm. Some fields are completely free. And I think the difficulty is not everybody has that mindset. You know, if we've used herbicides in the past, people want to continue using herbicides. And I think we have a difficult job to explain what IPM practices are, are out there and getting people to come on this IPM journey with us. So this is a sea change, isn't it? But they're going to have to adapt, aren't they? 
But this is where um, policymakers have an ideal opportunity to change behaviour. So farmers can and will change what they do if the right incentives are in place. We're in a position now where we're likely to leave the EU. Uh, the government are going to have to develop a whole new domestic agricultural policy and we could have environmental land management schemes which could incentivise change, changes of behaviour. It's all very well government saying we must adopt more IPM and it's there in the Environment Bill, it's, there, it's likely to be there in the National Action Plan. What they need to do is acknowledge that there's a greater risk with some IPM techniques. Farmers will take risk if that risk is rewarded. So if policies are put in place that are rewarded adequately, there will be a shift in behaviour. Do you think that will happen then? Well, the NFU are lobbying hard for that to happen. We're in conversations with the RPA and with DEFRA at the highest level to feed in our ideas about how IPM can be rewarded. DEFRA are particularly interested in the case studies that we've done. They want to see what's happening on farm. And the good thing about the case studies is that um, it, it points out the pitfalls as well. It shows things when they don't work and what the, uh, what the problems are. And I think DEFRA need to acknowledge that there is a risk with taking some IPM solutions. If, if for example, you look at this autumn, the, the, the biggest thing that farmers do to manage blackgrass is delay their drilling. Lots of farmers delayed drilling this autumn. The rains came, they haven't got anything in the ground. There's gonna, that's going to have a massive impact on uh, profits and sustainability of some farms. So IPM, the, the risk of delayed drilling, needs to be rewarded going forward. And isn't the problem, you know, Andrew would say, it has cost him a lot of money. Um, at the same time, we could be seeing products with glyphosate on them coming into the country from, from overseas now. And that, that's going to be an ever-increasing problem, which, again, will be cheaper food, uh, which people at home might be quite happy to buy. You make a very good point, because by going down this uh, fewer actives available, fewer solutions, all we're doing is exporting our environmental footprint to other territories. And in terms of our ambition to go net zero, uh, the NFU have, have brought the ambition forward to 2040 rather than the government's 2050. If that means all we're doing is exporting our environmental footprint to other territories, that's not right. What we need to do is to be able to produce safe, affordable food with the fewest food miles possible. Um, the irony with the neonicotinoid ban is that there are 14 countries in Europe that have been given derogations and are now growing sugar beet with neonics whereas we in the UK are having to import sugar because we're not able to produce as much. So within the NFU, we're raising that argument at the highest levels. And it's very important with a future trade policy that we don't undermine our high welfare standards and environmental standards at the expense of bringing in cheap food. But ultimately, the public has a right to food at all price points and farmers should be able to grow for cheaper price points and then adding value to certain foodstuffs. So we need to get that message through to policymakers. The lobbying continues. That's Emma Hamer, Senior Plant Health Advisor at the NFU. It was uh, good to catch up with her at CropTech and husband Martin as well, who said some very kind things about the farming programme, suggesting that we're playing a crucial role at such a difficult time for the industry, uniting those in agriculture and showing you're really not alone in facing the current challenges, which, to be honest, I hadn't really thought about. So thank you, Martin, and thanks again to Emma. Now, we discussed their IPM, Integrated Pest Management, to give it its full name, and also at CropTech was Neil Evans, Operations Director for the Voluntary Initiative, which promotes the responsible use of pesticides. It's supported by a number of groups, including the Agricultural Engineers Association, Agricultural Industries Confederation, the CLA, Crop Protection Association, the National Association, 
Association of Agricultural Contractors, the NFU, NFU Scotland and the Ulster Farmers Union. Here's Neil to tell us more about the Voluntary Initiative. The Voluntary Initiative is a scheme that was set up um, about 18 years ago now. Basically, it's all about best practice and the angle that we take on that is that everything is IPM based these days. I mean, obviously we're losing active compounds and we've got less and less in the toolbox. So the way that we actually farm is becoming a lot more important in terms of caring for the environment and working with nature. 18 years ago you set this up, you kind of realised where we would now be 18 years on with, as you say, the loss of actives and what's actually happening within the industry. Sure, yeah. I mean, a lot has happened. Obviously farms have uh, amalgamated and uh, so we have uh, larger farm sizes and fewer people actually in the, in the industry, I would say. Um, obviously equipment has become larger um, and that in itself has uh, thrown its own spanner in the works in terms of uh, compaction and various other issues with soils. So yeah, it's all about thinking and seeing whether you can use an innovative approach to farming rather than just reaching for the can as you may have done in, in, in the recent past. Farmers, uh, those in the industry, need to find that solution, don't they? Because these actives are going away, there's no sign that they'll be coming back. Uh, and to continue trading, to continue growing crops, continue doing what they do, they're going to have to reach out and find a different way, aren't they? Yes, that's certainly the way that we're um, looking to work. And, uh, and recently, actually, about two or three weeks ago, we've launched a new initiative from the Voluntary Initiative. Uh, these are our Voluntary Initiative champions. These are, so far we have 19 innovative, uh, forward-thinking farmers, advisors and in one case a catchment officer from a water company and um, we've been training them up with media training and our champions now who are based from Cornwall up to the Highlands and over to Northern Ireland are available to attend farmer meetings. In re at a regional level, so we believe that a lot of the messages that we need to put across and that we want to get out to farmers uh, can be done through peer-to-peer -peer learning. And what are those key messages? Well, the key messages are, you know, you need to really consider an IPM-based approach. Um, so that means, you know, considering everything through from rotation, whether you can grow a variety that's perhaps a little bit more resistant to a particular disease, for example, um, and using some of these more innovative approaches before, you know, reverting to um, using a, a plant protection product. And you've got the uh, Be Connected uh, scheme as well. Just talk us through that. Yeah, sure. Well, the Be Connected scheme was launched about two years ago now at Cereals, I believe. And um, this is a app-based process that uses Google Maps. And basically, we're, as the name suggests, we're connecting beekeepers and farmers. So it's a very simple system to use. It's totally free and it's totally anonymous. And we can't stress that enough. And basically, farmers can register and they tell the system where the fields are. And beekeepers also register and tell the system where the hives are and the two system then basically merges the data so that we have a sort of spatial recognition of where the bees are in relation to the farmers fields and then when a farmer if a farmer is considering putting on an insecticide you can log on to the system tell it what product you're trying to use uh, the dose rate and the specific field and then the system works out uh, if there are any beekeepers or hives within a five kilometre radius of that, of that field 
and sends them an automatic email or text message so that the beekeeper can then either move the hive or close the hive on that particular date when a spray is due. You know, the old system of um, having a regional beekeeper who's uh, part of the Beekeepers Association is all fine and, and phoning them up and then them having to phone all of the beekeepers in a particular region. Um, it perhaps worked five, ten years ago, but in the modern day where you have, um, you know, for example, hobby beekeepers, so you have somebody who has, a, you know, a hive for their own personal use in their back garden, perhaps they're not a member of the Beekeepers Association, so they would sort of, uh, you know, fall through the cracks in the system, basically. So, so this is, uh, you know, as I mentioned, totally free and available to anybody who either keeps bees or farms. That's Neil Evans of the Voluntary Initiative. If you want to find out more, you'll find them online through their website or you'll find them at beeconnected.org.uk. Be as in bumblebee, beeconnected.org.uk. Right, let's get our weekly updates, uh, shall we? Kit from Openfield in a moment. First, Sean Sparling from Sparling Agronomy Services. Morning, Sean. Yes, good morning, Sean. Not an awful lot to report this week. Let's sum it up. Winter wheat, wet, no change on last week. Winter rape, wet, no change on last week. Winter barley, not a lot in the ground, no change on last week. Winter rye, about giving up on putting winter rye in the ground now. We're leaving it in the bag in the shed, no change on last week. So it is going to be a very busy spring. I'm I know that this wet will turn into dry at some point and it's worth just working out there are two things which are going to alter the situation we have out in the field one of those things is the thing which caused the problem in the first place and that's mother nature it needs to stop raining and the second thing is time those two things in combination are the things which are going to solve our problems out in the field now there'll be a lot of people coming out of the woodwork over the coming few weeks and months who will be telling you that they have the perfect solution in the can there are these biologicals there are these bacteria mixes they've got these trace element fantastic snake oil that will solve all of your problems in one go there really is nothing in a can time is the only thing you need to think logically we need to get back to basics in a year like this remember you will have lost nitrogen and sulfur through leaching where you've damaged soils from lifting crops like sugar beet potatoes maize etc you will have damaged the profile and you will have lost potassium because it will have moved through the profile so the basic macro elements the nitrogen phosphorus potash sulfur all of those are going to be in short supply in the spring so you need to compensate for that so with your first dose of nitrogen top dressing, for example, on wheat or oilseed rape or what barley you have got in the ground, you will need to make sure there is sulphur in amongst that. We will have lost quite a lot because of this excessive winter rainfall. It's not something we've seen for a number of years, but the soil nitrogen supplies will be massively depleted, not just by leaching, but also through denitrification, the bacterial activity, which will have been feasting on those nitrates in the soil. And that is the case for organic land, conventional land, cultivated non-cultivated if you're looking at your lawn you're looking at your flower beds same principle if it's waterlogged you will have had denitrification and you will have lost nitrogen to the atmosphere so it's going to be a very difficult spring but I'm quite bullish. I still believe that at some point this wet will turn to dry. I have absolutely no doubt that within the next 12 months we will be complaining about how dry it is and that we need some rain. This isn't going to last forever. It is what it is. We just put up with it. It might as well rain again today and tomorrow and the next day because it's very wet and there's nothing we can do. What we need it to do, if I could put my order in for those religious people who are listening, is just ask for the rain to keep going until it wants to stop and then it needs to stop and then dry up. 
what we don't want and what would be a disaster would be if it stopped raining now for a month and then started raining again in the middle of January through February when we need to get on with land work. But there's nothing we can do about it. We can only deal with what we're given. And as I've said, the thing which will solve this problem will be time and Mother Nature herself by stopping the rain from coming. Now, there have been issues over the last few years where people have used gypsum, for example, to recondition a soil. It helps reflocculate soils and slump soils, but it isn't a miracle cure. And also, the original gypsum is going to be far better than some of the waste gypsum which is out there. If you buy the waste gypsum, which will be a lot cheaper than gypsum gypsum, than the proper gypsum, then you just need to be aware of what is in it. So get it analysed, have it checked out because if it contains things like cadmium and lead and chromium and titanium and that sort of thing you really don't want to be pumping that onto your field. So as things stand at the moment, incredibly wet out there no change on last week, heads down chin up, let's move on and see what happens in the next seven days. Thanks Sean, yes change has to come soon, let's hope so, Sean Sparling there what of the grain markets? Kit Dickinson can update us from Open Field. Morning, Kit. Hello, Sean. How are you? I'm OK, thank you all. Have you much to tell us this week? Uh, I think the news is, is slightly limited, like it has been for the last few weeks due to the poor weather. Uh, but we have had a positive start to the week. Global wheat prices traded higher, which uh, led to US futures firming. The driver was really funds buying back a small short in the fact that they had a direct response to various weather concerns around the globe. Most of the issues are with new crop plantings and crop conditions, which are causing investors to be cautious of their position. So moving on to uh, ex-farm wheat prices, which are firmed to large domestic buyers taking cover for January forward to March, which is very good news. This is somewhat surprising and shows they will still have business to write going forward. A firming pound will hurt export calculations even more, and also imports will become cheaper. We are back to good old-fashioned supply and demand for Jan and Feb sellers. These are good opportunities. USDA has marked planting progress as complete for 2019-2020 winter wheat crop, with 87% of the crop emerged. That's slightly ahead of 2018's pace of 85% and slightly behind the prior five-year average of 90%. Although analysts expected the USDA to drop in quality and area, they have stayed the same. Moving on to all-seed rape, it has been a quiet end to the week for the US market due to Thanksgiving and prices are down on the back of strengthening sterling. Domestics homes are now covered to Christmas and there are no sellers in the current market. On a positive side, we should see more sellers come to the market in the new year as there is still a large amount of crop to sell. The S&D for old crop is tight, we will be even tighter going forward into new crop. A reduced planted area, flea beetle, slugs and poor weather have influenced a reduced area to combine next year. This should help new crop prices rise, and if this happens, old crop should follow with it. Moving on to barley, the MV Sidari is now fully loaded with 64,000 tonnes of barley and has set sail to Saudi Arabia. Barley prices have strengthened slightly, and 125 to 130 X farm is currently achievable for the rest of the marketing year. There is uncertainty going forward for new crop, as there is an unexpected rise in area, and an unknown export opportunity going forward. So that's it really for this week. Moving on to prices. Wheat for December 142 to 144. February 143 to 145. May 147 to 149. November 20 new crop 152 to 154. Milling premiums are currently £20. 
Oilseed rate, December 314 to 316. February 316 to 318. May 319 to 321. And November 20 new crop, 303 to 305. Feed barley for December 123 to 125, February 124 to 126, May 127 to 129. Limited prices going forward for feed and malting premiums are circa 10 to 12 pounds. Beans for December 180x the farm and for May 186 and human consumption premiums are currently in the region of £25. Thank you. Kit Dickinson there at Open Field. Now, I mentioned my chat earlier with Martin Hamer at CropTech and the kind words he had to say about the farming programme. A couple of others also commented about how, with the general feeling in the industry at the moment, some positivity was needed. And that got me thinking, on a very wet drive home from CropTech, that perhaps here on the programme we can do our bit by spreading some good news. I need your help to do it, though, so if you've uh, something worth a mention, something good happening in the business, maybe even personal, you know, a significant anniversary or such like, then get in touch. Email me. Uh, You can click on my face on the station website or contact me through social media. And each week we will try and spread some farming positivity just to lift the mood, even if just for a few moments. Uh, Positivity such as the Louth Livestock Christmas Market, held on Thursday, just gone, raising funds for LRSN, among the minks, pies and other treats, also included the uh, LRSN team dressed as Christmas puddings. A sight to be seen. Uh, Positivity too for RABI, thanks to a donation from the team at Club Hectare. You might remember they organised the Club Hectare bash at cereals with a raffle and auction and a hog roast as well, and as a result... The team have now handed over £2,862.62 to the charity at a time when it's fair to say it needs it most, helping farmers, including those hit by flooding. Chris Hewis is one of Club Hectare's founders, along with John O'Dixon. I spoke to them just after they made that donation to RABI. It's been a slightly different year. Our focus changed onto more of uh, putting all our energy into this one event, and uh, it was a really good way to bring everyone together. We set off on the, the sort of thinking that people all come together for the cereals event, so we'd focus our event at the same time on the same day. And it, it was really successful. So the timing for this uh, presentation is really crucial because our ABI uh, in, the, in the current farming situation are really going to be um, called upon to help. Yeah, definitely. I know a lot of call for their help with uh, particularly the flooding that we've seen in different parts of the country. Has it been in East Georgia? You've been, had a bit uh, wet as well, haven't you? <laughs> Some lands stayed clear of it. Some, obviously, the lower-lying lower lying land of um, wholeness hasn't. I think we've escaped pretty well, to be honest, which is... is yeah, you don't want to be sort of bleating about it, but uh, especially when you, you know, you're sort of driving over the Humber and then coming into Lincolnshire and seeing a lot of water. And, you know, my heart goes out to Henry and Joe Ward. You know, I've, I've known Joe for 20 years. You know, it's a horrible situation, but it's, it's a horrible situation for the many farmers, property owners, businesses. A little bit of that might go to them. But it's not only that. It's, it's, it's the whole mental health thing as well and you know uh, isolation and all I'll say is that you know even us even us we here you know if people want to speak to us we can try and help them you know we've all been in situations and bad situations you're not on your own that's all I'll say and I guess also the message is you know get involved in Club Hectare as well because then there is that networking you've got the website people can chat 
there's the chat rooms, the forums there as well. So it's it's useful, isn't it, as well? If, if people do just want someone to talk to or to ask a question of or learn expertise from it. Although our focus changed this year, Club Hector, uh, is still... A, 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 the core of it is that we're a community and... Uh, we're a community that people can be involved in and always find someone who, who can relate to their problems. Chris Hewis and in the middle, John O'Dixon there from Club Hector. Please do get in touch if you want to spread some farming positivity. I look forward to hearing from you as ever. The Farming Programme, five-day forecast. Let's try to be positive about the weather. We have a slightly more settled week ahead by the looks of things. Certainly the first half of the week, it should be mostly dry, maybe a wintry shower in places. Chilly though, highs generally around five Celsius today. Day, tomorrow, Tuesday. The winds from the north today, more from the southwest as the week continues, generally 10 to 15 miles an hour. Overnights will be frosty with fog as well, lows mostly around freezing point, maybe one or two Celsius. And then the latter end of the week, well, we'll see more in the way of cloud, a bit breezier as well, and further rain is possible. It might miss us, it might fall further north. Our hourly forecasts as the week continues will bring you the fuller story on that. For now, that is the forecast. Next week, it's the final programme before the general election. Is food and farming being taken seriously by our politicians? I'll explore that in more detail next Sunday. Until then, try and stay positive and have a good week.